In the book of First Kings, chapter 17, there's a story. It's my, I would have to say it's one of my top three stories in all the Bible. It's so crazy of a story that I love reading it over and over and over. Every time I read it, it just blows me away. And it's become one of my favorites over the years, one of the ones that I've loved to read. But more importantly, it's one of the ones that, I, that I've received so much insight and growth, even in my own personal life from this portion of scripture. And I want to share it with you tonight. And it's right there in verse 2, 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 2. It's about the prophet Elijah. And it says, the word, Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in Carithereen, in the Kerith Ravine, east of Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord told him. He went to the ravine east of Jordan and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Shake somebody's hand, and you can have your seat. Amen. I mean, isn't this is a crazy story, <laughs> right? I mean, there's no way to sugarcoat this story. God tells the prophet of God, right? God, God tells his prophet, get up and leave, go into hiding, and I'm going to send some birds to feed you. That's a crazy story. Amen. If you go to a movie theater nowadays, it doesn't really matter what movie theater, there's usually like an IMAX or, or, or a section within there that has XD 3D movies, right? And when you walk into these movies, they usually hand you a pair of glasses, either at the, at the where you buy the tickets or as you're walking in. And what this does, what these glasses do, is they actually cause your brain, right, through the different screens that it has on it, it causes your brain to see the images that are on the screen in different depths, right? So a flat object, right, like we see here, it's a flat object, one level object. The minute you put those glasses on, it changes the depth. And in reality, if you really like, you know, as I was reading and studying about this, the 3D glasses really are just a trick to the brain. Because the image we know is not 3D, right? It's not jumping off the, the screen itself. But what it does is the lenses change your perspective. They change the way you see the movie, right? How many have ever seen a 3D movie, right? Things are jumping out at you, right? And it seems so real. But in reality, what, what it's doing, is what, what actually brings it to life is the lens. And in your life and in my life, your perspective determines your reality. I'll say it again because I believe it's nice and warm and you guys are starting to get cozy right now. <laughs> in your life and in my life, it's our perspective that determines our reality. See, in this room, even now, there's dimensions to God. In this room, in this church, in Christianity, even in this service, there's dimensions. But depending on what lenses you have on tonight, is really what you see, it's what you feel, and what you perceive. And the truth is, it's going to vary. For example, I'm going to give you some examples. Tonight, for some people in this room, it's nothing more than a weekly routine. It's just church again. To others, tonight is probably a good meeting place. It's a place to connect, to fellowship, pass on some information about where the next party's at, right? And maybe even get an encouraging word like Caleb. 
huh? <laughs> right? Others, on the other hand, are actually hearing the voice of God during worship. They're maybe stepping out in faith by tithing for the first time this week. Or maybe, maybe even at this very moment, locked into the voice behind the voice. It all determines what lenses you have on tonight. It's just like a 3D movie. You could walk in, but depending on what you're wearing is what you're going to see. So it all depends on the lenses. And my question tonight is what lenses do you have on tonight? So perspective, hear me now, perspective, it not only affects your mindset, it actually controls it, your perspective. Now, looking at a story like the one that we just read tonight, right, off the top, we know that it's a crazy story. God has Elijah tell the very new king of Israel, Ahab, who was acting wickedly, he was leading Israel astray, he was doing some, some weird stuff, you can read it right there in chapter seven, 16 and 17. What God does is God has Elijah tell him that, hey, because you're acting up, I'm summarizing it this, right? I'm giving you the Eric version. The, what he does is tell him, because you're acting up, that there's not going to be rain in the land huh, for the next three years. Well, he doesn't tell him three years, but he tells him there's not going to be in the rain any in, in the land. And then God does something weird. He tells Elijah, after he says that, he tells him, okay, I want you to go to hide now. Go hide in this place where I'm sending you to. And don't trip, the birds are going to feed you. You're all right. Now, who in their right mind, okay, <laughs> stay with me now, who in their right mind, I mean, would actually do it? I mean, right now, if I said, hey, look it, I need you to go to Modesto, <laughs> right, and there's going to be some birds, and don't worry, they're going to bring you a Big Mac and a Sprite every night, okay? That's what happened here. I want you to follow the craziness of the story, right? But Elijah gets up and he goes. And sure enough, these birds bring him food, right? And they bring him drink every morning and every night. And I mean, to me, that's amazing. It's amazing that the birds were doing, I mean, it's just amazing. The whole story's amazing. It's amazing that he went. It's, you know, the whole thing's amazing. So here's my question. As, as I was reading this story and as I was looking at it, the question just popped up in my mind is what kind of a perspective, a mindset did Elijah have to really actually go along with this crazy scenario, right? I mean, what kind of mindset did you have? We, what did Elijah see, right? How did he feel? I mean, how did he view God when God was telling him this stuff? How did it all come about? Trip off this. It was estimated that Elijah, in this hiding spot that the Lord sent him to, it was estimated that Elijah was there for three and a half years in hiding. If you actually study it, he didn't just go overnight. He went for about three and a half years in hiding. That would mean that Elijah, he was fed over 2,000 meals by birds. I'm going to let that sink in just for a second. All right? He was there for three and a half years, guys, and over 2,000 meals by birds. That is crazy. It's crazy that he actually was there that long. Can you imagine after like the seventh day of him getting fed by birds? I mean, what was going through his mind? See, there's always a process to changing your mindset. There's always a process. And I'm sure that up until this point, Elijah, he had gone through some changes. And even this event itself would be used to change his mindset. 
And so what I want to do tonight is go over some things that would lead us into an Elijah mindset. In fact, if I had to title this message, it would be an Elijah mindset. I want to cover some things that led up to this, maybe even transpired, because I think it has a lot to do with going into 2017. I don't know how your 2016 was, but I know how your 2017 can be. And so leading into the Elijah mindset, I think we can learn a few things here. I think we can learn a few things from this story about the way he's seen it, about his perspective. But I also think that if we're going to change our mindset, which our mindset controls our behavior, right? If we're going to change it, then we ourselves should have to apply the same exact things. The very first thing that I notice or that I see about changing your mindset to an Elijah mindset is number one, you would have to be willing to forget the things that you think you know. You would have to be willing to forget the things that you think you know. Two of the most dangerous words to any man and any woman are two words, I know. I know is the enemy of men and women around the world. <laughs> Some of you married couples should have said amen right there. <laughs> Every person in this room has reached conclusions in our lives, right? Certain things, circumstances, even life itself has taught each and every one of us some lessons, right? It, I mean, it's just true. But going from what we know now to going to what God wants us to know is a journey. It really is a journey. Now, going back to the story, do you know that ravens, the bird themselves, the ravens, uh, if you ever get an opportunity, let me just throw this in for change. If you ever get the opportunity, man, study this story. There's so much into it. I'm not really going to get in depth on the ravens. But the ravens themselves, do you know that they were declared in the book of Leviticus, which was the law, in Levitic Leviticus 11:13 through 19, the ravens themselves were actually pointed out as unclean birds. They were declared, right? We always hear how, how you know, the Jews and other, and other people around the world don't eat pig, right? They don't eat pork, right? They don't know what they're missing. No, I'm just kidding, <laughs> right? They don't, know, they don't eat pork, right? But birds themselves, ravens themselves were actually declared unclean. The reason was is because they're scavengers. They'll eat just about anything from a berry to another dead bird, right? And so you got to understand Elijah growing up learning the law, learning Leviticus, and learning that these birds were unclean, right? There's so much more that I can tell you about the ravens, but right now I don't have the time. But this was the channel. Hear me now. This was the means. This was the thing that God was going to use to provide. The very thing that he was taught was unclean. So you got to understand that this would be Elijah's last choice as far as provision, this would be, uh, you know, his last choice as to a way that God can use. But how many know God doesn't work our way, right? He doesn't work our way. You got to imagine Elijah's initial thoughts when God told him this. Because God was specific. He could have picked any bird, right? He could have picked an owl, right? He could have picked a parakeet. I don't know. He could have picked something beautiful, right? But he said, no, I'm going to pick this bird that you think is unclean, right? It's, like, it's kind of like if I had to do a comparison, it's kind of like those of us that have been to Pier 39 or the Wharf, right? I mean, think of those seagulls out there, right? Come on, some of you from the city, right? I mean, these, these seagulls, we're not talking about nice seagulls, the ones that are living on the Gulf of, of Mexico. 
We're talking about them inner city seagulls, right? That eat God knows what from God knows where, right? We're talking about, now can you imagine if God said, hey, I'm going to take all them birds from Pier 39 and they're going to bring you your next couple meals. That's gross, huh? Well, that's what God was telling Elijah, right? God tells him that basically your definition of clean is going to have to change. And so many times God wants us to move in ways that we have not seen. He wants to show you things that your mind has not imagined. He has ideas that have never been thought of. But our problem is that we know. That's our enemy. People are telling us, man, you should be at that service. I know. Man, you should have went to Africa. I know. Man, you should tithe. It works. I know. I mean, really, think about it. What do we know? The older I get, the more I realize I really don't know. I don't know about you, but the more I'm starting to realize this. If I ask you, do you know Hayward or do you know the Bay Area? Most of you in this room would say, yeah. But think about it. You've known this city maybe as a drug addict or as a hurting person. So I ask you, do you really know this city? Do you see it how God sees it? Remember, we're talking about perspective tonight, right? See, I've experienced this personally. I've had to relearn so much I knew about this city. So much I knew about the city I grew up in. I had to go through a re-education still. I mean, this applies to people. It applies to doctrine. I mean, heck, it applies to just about anything we think we really know. I mean, you think you know God, right? I mean, I know, I, I've thought several times that I got a handle on God. And then somebody like Tony Kemp shows up and somebody leg grows. And I don't know about you, but I leave thinking, man, do I even know God? Right? I mean, I don't know what I get that feeling like, man, if I even saved, you know, if I see something like that, it's like, whoa. See, the more you're willing to forget what you know or what you think you know, the more God can show you, the more God can teach you, and the more God can give you. To change our mindsets, all of us have to be teachable. If God asks you to see things from his perspective, then what else really matters? What else really matters? See, even if you look in our promise scripture in Isaiah 45, 2 and 3, we, we have, a, we have a, 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 a scripture in there or a part of the scripture that says the hidden, reach, hidden riches and secret places. I mean, I want to ask you, has God ever shown you these? Has God ever told you a secret? When's the last time God showed you something just for you? Huh? Those of us that went to South Africa, you've ex- you experienced right? You go into places like Hanover Park, right? And you see that, man, in these places that are hidden, right? There's diamonds in there, right, John? There's gold in those places, places that are hidden, things that are secret, things that only people like Pastor Steve, Pastor Sonny, Pastor Esteban are able to see. Why do you think they're always pushing us to expand our mindset? Because they see these little hidden riches, They see the things that most of us are not able to see. But in order to see those things, in order to get into that mindset, we have to be willing to be able to really forget what we know. Forget what we know. Elijah, at that moment when the Lord told him, this is what I'm going to do, and this is how I'm going to provide, at that moment, it was the decision time. Elijah had to make a decision. You know what? I know I was raised 
thinking a certain way about these birds. I know I was raised thinking a certain way. But you know what? At this moment, I'm going to forget about it. If the Lord's telling me to do it, then let's go get a bird. <laughs> let's go get fed by a bird. The second thing I noticed when it comes to the getting to the Elijah mindset is that the second thing is that you would have to expand or we would have to expand the limits of what we think is possible. The first thing is, remember, forgetting what we think we know. But the second thing, getting into the Elijah mindset, is we would have to expand the limits of what we think is possible. See, Romans 12.3 tells us that each and every one of us, everyone in this room, everyone in this world, actually, is given a measure of faith. That means everyone in this room has some measure of belief in God and what he's able to do, each and every one of us. The faith was given to us even, even at the very moment of creation. Some of us may have more than others that was instilled by God inside of them. But trip off this, in Colossians 2.6, God actually shows us a process. He shows us a process where our faith can be developed. Our faith can grow. Remember, we're talking about limits. We're talking about a mindset right now. And in order for the mindset to grow, the limits have to grow. Just like it, we're, you know, we're seeing with Elijah that things had to change. It couldn't be the same way as normal. So let me read this scripture in Colossians 2, 6, 7. It says, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. Building your faith and expanding your faith, there's three processes to it. Real quick, I'm not going to expand on it, but I want to give them to you. There's three things that expand your faith. Three pro it's a process. The first one we see in Colossians is being firmly rooted, right? Being firmly rooted. The more you come to church, the more your faith begins to take root. The more you read the word of God, the more time you spend with God, you begin to grab root. Any plant that you just buy from wherever, right? You buy from a nursery, you buy from Home Depot or wherever you buy your plants from, right? It always comes in a canister. And when you take that canister out, it has to root. You got to put it somewhere where it's going to grow roots. In your faith, the minute you give your life to the Lord, it starts to take root. And you determine whether or not how fast that root takes place, right? Some people drag it out. Some people are able to take root right away. But the faith, the very beginning stage of faith is taking root. Then we see that it says being firmly rooted, right? And then it says being built up. It goes from being rooted to being built up. Once a plant grabs roots, it's able to build and it's able to go up. Remember, it goes down first, then it goes up. It grabs root, then it goes up. And your faith is the same way. It grabs root first where you're planted, and then you're able to build it up. You're able to build it up by coming to church. You're able to build it up by getting involved. You're able to build it up by taking little steps of faith. I talked about tithing earlier, right? Giving is a great way to build up your faith. You've never trusted God? Trust God. Build it up. These are all steps to building faith. And then lastly, we see that it says an established in your faith. You go from firmly rooted to being built up to being established in your faith. Being established has to do with, with being solid in foundation. It means that you've already been tested in your faith. 
It means that it's already grabbed a hold and it's being built up, but it's established. It's not going nowhere. Some of you, this year was a year of establishment. You made the decision that this is your church. You've made the decision that this is your God. You've made a decision that you're going to do this for the rest of your life. It was an establishment. See, our faith grows as we learn to trust God more. It's not the big things that are, that are believing for. It's the believing in, excuse me, let me read that again. It says, it's not how big the things are that we're believing for. It's in believing how big the one we're asking. See, it doesn't matter. People think their faith is growing because now they're believing God for bigger things. Maybe before they were believing God for a job. Maybe this year they're believing God for a house. And they think that that's a measure of their faith growing. But in reality, your faith grows as you begin to learn the one you're believing in. The more you believe, the more you trust, it's in God. You understand God. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, it doesn't matter how big or how great the things you're stepping out for. What it is is your understanding in God. The deeper the understanding, the deeper the faith. The bigger the trust in him, it usually comes behind a bigger knowledge of him. So faith itself has to grow. If your limits grow, your faith will grow. So your limits expand as your faith in God expands. So what is possible in your life is determined by what you believe is possible. It all boils down to your faith. See, a lot of people wonder why certain things are not happening in their lives. They wonder why their life is not, it's not filled with miracles. It's not filled with breakthroughs. It's not filled with things that they see other Christians experiencing. And they wonder why. Well, it all has to do with the limitations of your faith. It has to do with what you believe is possible. See, many people want miracles, but they really don't believe that they're possible. Many people want healings, but they really don't believe that it's possible, right? People want financial breakthroughs, but they don't trust God enough to put money in that offering. It all has to do with the limits on your faith. If you are able to expand your limits, you're able to see a bigger breakthrough. You're able to see a bigger move of God. So you have to ask yourself, if you're not experiencing the miracles that you're looking for, then it must be that it's time for our faith limits to grow, to expand. The word possible should take on a new meaning every single day. I'll say that again. The word possible should take on a new meaning every single day. You know, a while back, I heard a a great message by Roy De La Garza. And if you've ever heard him speak, he's a guy who does puppets. If you've ever heard him speak, he's a very simple preacher. And as he was talking, he was talking about building their faith. And it's always stuck with me. He talked about how as he was trying as an evangelist to build up his faith, that he would practice faith. And he said he would practice it in the smallest areas. He would practice it by praying for parking spots when he would go to the store. Now, some people would think, ah, it's crazy. You know, God don't want to hear that stuff, right? But he's explained how faith is a muscle. And the more you apply it, the more you use it, the more it grows. And so I heard that, and I said, man, I, you know, I got to try that for my own life. Because I don't know if you're anything like me, but I didn't want to bother God except for the bigger things, right? I had enough problems in the bigger things, right? I, I was asking God for a lot anyways. So when it came to small stuff like that, it really didn't, you know, it was something that I never prayed about. But I began to apply it to my personal life. I began to pray for small things, right? Small things. God, 
man, if I wasn't getting along with somebody that, you know, at work, man, I pray, man, you know what, just let today be good. Let us get along today. I started praying for parking spots. And the more you pray, it's like a muscle. It begins to expand your limits. And the more you use it, the more it grows. And so here today, we're talking about a mindset change, right? So you ask yourself, this, this year, what miracles did you experience? What miracles were you able to see in your life? What breakthroughs were you able to see? What move of God were you able to see? What, what did you see? But if you have nothing really to go in reference to, then you have to ask yourself, do I need to grow in this area? We're talking about mindsets changing. So when it says the limits expanding, see Elijah himself, as he was being told by God to just leave, he was being told by God to really leave everything that he knew, everything that he was comfortable with, right? And not just that, to trust in something that he had never done before, he had never seen before, and probably nobody had ever seen before, right? He had to expand his limits of what was possible. You know, this year, I believe God wants to do something not just in our lives personally, but in our church. And as he begins to do these things, we have to be able to expand our limits to see what is possible, right? In our minds, certain things aren't possible. Maybe this year they weren't possible for you. But how many know God can expand our limits? God can expand our faith. See, you yourself have to determine that I'm not going to be the same when it comes to my limits. I don't know what your limits were in 2016, but I know in 2017, they don't have to be that way. Too many of us, we get stuck in yesterday's faith. So we're still stuck in yesterday's limits. We're still stuck. We're still stuck in never being able to go past a certain point. Jesus, in Luke 17, 6, he made it clear, because he talks about the mustard seed. He made it clear that it's not the size of your faith so much as who you're putting your faith in. You grow your trust, you grow your limits. No God, no limits. No God, no limits. Expanding your mindset, expanding your possibilities starts with you. The third thing, when it comes to changing your mindset and expanding your mindset to the Elijah mindset, is this. You have to stick to the plan that God gives you. Remember, the first thing is forgetting what we thought, what we, thought we knew or we think we know. The second thing is expanding the limits of what is possible. And thirdly, you have to stick to the plan that God gives you. You know, our generation, not just speaking about age, but all of us, our generation has a commitment problem. Can I talk about it tonight? <laughs> our generation has a commitment problem. Specifically, we have a commitment problem to see things through. Our generation has that problem. Elijah was told by God to go. Elijah not only went, but he didn't move until God told him to. See, far too many people in this generation get caught up in doing good things instead of the right things. Let me explain the difference. If I tell my daughter, which I often do, and my sons, <laughs> I tell them, if I go tell them, I want you to do your homework, I sit them down at the table, and I'll go take a shower. Right? I get home from work, go take a shower, and they're sitting there. And I come out of the shower, and right away, one of them will tell me, Dad, look, I made you a picture. Great. Oh, it's beautiful, right? But did you finish your homework? Right? How many of you ever experienced that with kids, right? Or you tell, your, you tell your son or your daughter, go clean your room. And they go to the room and you walk in and they're playing and, oh, look at this. And they do something completely different, not a bad thing, but not what you ask them to do. 
right? And I think to, in our generation, a lot of times, we get people that are caught up in doing good things rather than the right thing, right? I made it to church. Well, great. That's a good thing. But are you doing the right thing? You hear what I'm saying? So when it comes to this generation, you got to understand that God is looking for people that are going to do the right thing. God is looking for people that are going to do the right thing. He's not looking for people that are just going to do good things. This world is full of them, right? There's people right now that are doing good things all over this world, but that doesn't mean they're doing the right thing. If you seek direction, follow direction. If you follow direction, finish their directions. Our natural mindset, it always thinks of ways that are easier, that are faster, that maybe are more beneficial to ourselves. I mean, think about it. What if Elijah, God told him to go and hide out in this place? What if Elijah stopped at another hideout on the way? What if he got impatient and decided to hunt his own dinner that night? What if blessings, I mean, think about it. What blessings would he have missed? What lessons wouldn't he have learned? See, when it comes to being, sticking to the plan that God gives you, you have to understand that if God gave it to you, God knows the outcome. See, it's the end of 2016. And can we be honest tonight? What did we miss this year because we changed or we modified or we deviated from God's plan in our lives? What did we miss this year? How much of what me and you are going through right now is a result because we gave up too soon on what God told us to do? See, 2017 does not have to be the same. Our mindsets can change. The question is, are you willing to see things this year differently than you did last year? Are you willing to look at things through a different lens than you've been looking at them? Preacher after preacher can get up here behind this pulpit, and if there's no shift in mindset, there's no change in perspective, then what is the point of all this? I mean, what are we doing? You have to understand that things have to change. But it changes with a change in mindset. See, this year, whatever happened, happened. This year is pretty much over, right? And like I said, if we think about it and we're honest with ourselves, we ask ourselves the hard questions about what we possibly could have learned this year, what we put, possibly could have accomplished this year. What did we miss this year because we interfered with God's plan in our lives? See, Elijah was obedient to the plan. God told him, go, he went. He didn't question it. He didn't try to modify it, right? He didn't, he didn't come up with his, with his own touch on God's plan. He just did it. And really, when it comes to changing our mindsets, sticking to God's plan has a lot to do with it. And let me just throw this in for spare change here. If God hasn't given you a plan, then the best thing to do is stay where you're at. Where's the home at? If God hasn't given you a plan, stay where you're at. If God hasn't given you a revised update, stay where you're at. If God hasn't given you a change, stay where you're at. Continue to do the things that you know God has told you to do. You know, a lot of times we get antsy. We want to, we want to do our own thing, right? We're praying for a financial breakthrough, and we don't see God moving, so we go help him out a little bit. Huh? We go do a little this and a little that. But in all reality, that's not God's plan. God's plan is specific. Go here, do this, I'll help you. Go here, do this, I'll help you. Huh? Go to church, tithe, I'll provide. Go to church, tithe, I'll provide.